The Persistent and Nasty podcast is a series of interviews and informal discussions with inspiring women and other marginalised voices in theatre, film and beyond. From actors to activists, we aim to amplify these voices and invite the world to stay nasty. We are continued to be supported by two amazing companies. First up, we have We Edition, who are offering 25% off to our members on their monthly subscription. If you type in NASTY, all capital letters, 25 at checkout, you will receive this discount. We Edition, as I've said before, really is the future of casting. Next up, we have Backstage. Backstage are offering our actor listeners free, 12 months free subscription to their online magazine. This is an amazing chance. It's usually about $8.99 a month, I think. Um, if you follow the link in the description uh, box, then that will take you to it and you will get your free subscription to Backstage for a year. For our casting director listeners, you can post free castings on Backstage, just putting in persistent and nasty into checkout. Hi everyone, hope you are doing really well and enjoying the sunshine. I think there's supposed to be sunshine today. Let's hope it has arrived. Um, today's episode is with the gorgeous Fee Fraser. Fee is a production designer in Scotland and we recorded this episode back at the start of June. So things were still very tight, lots of uh, restrictions on what we could and couldn't do. So it's really interesting to just hear those back and see where we've come and what we can do now so that's really lovely um it's myself and misha and fee and we have a great chat and we cover so many different things and as always guys i think you'll really love this one sit back relax and enjoy hello and welcome to another persistent and nasty podcast you're listening to elaine and misha today and we are so excited to have production manager fee fraser so i will start off oh sorry yes no, you can keep going. I'm oh, like, yay. All right. <laughs> Do you know this, this is the problem of not being in the same room. Like, yeah, this is the thing. Any it's... kind of hand movement, it feels like a stop or a wave, and you can't really tell. <laughs> How are you finding it, Fee? Are you finding it tricky? Like, in general, oh, over COVID, general, are you finding... Yeah. Oh, no, it's tricky. It's really tricky. Yeah. Um, mostly because you don't know what people are thinking. Because <laughs> you can't hear them breathing. <laughs> Yeah, it's really weird. It's like you don't feel that energy in the room, so you're not quite sure if it's if whatever you're saying is going down well or not. You're like, uh, yeah. help. <laughs> Constantly a little bit out of kilter with everybody and everything all the time. I feel like there's a really bad like um paranoia. I feel like this kind of like sense of constantly worrying about what other people might be thinking because you don't actually know. Mm. And mm. I find that I'm just like super edgy. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's odd. Anyway. It's all very odd. Odd indeed. But it's still so lovely to have you <laughs> with us. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your COVID lifestyle. So I am a production manager. Um mostly work for Scottish companies uh, or companies that are certainly based in Scotland or work out of Scotland. Um, I started, I'm from Dunfermline originally in Fife, sunny Dunfermline and uh, there's not much theatre in Dunfermline or there wasn't in the late 90s anyway and so in nine. Uh, late 90s, 98, I think it was, God, that was ages ago, uh, I went to Queen Margaret College and studied the, what was it called, stage management and theatre production course. Um, and during that time, I realised that I wanted to, you know, be a production manager. Um, before that, the only theatre experience I had had was going to the Alhambra or Carnegie Hall Pantos with my parents at Christmas time. Um, and I also uh, stage managed the uh, sixth year uh, Scott Vec drama um, Midsummer Night's Dream. 
So that was the first time I'd even known about stage management was when my teacher, Mr. Lambie, said, do you want to be the stage manager? Because I don't think you want to act, do you? So that was quite fun. So, yes, I did three years at college and then I got my was lucky enough to get my first job um, out of college with Perth Theatre. So I was there for six months as an ASM and then I went and I was a stage manager for a children's um, company called The Happy Gang, who were um, a singing kettle style of of company. and that was great. I did that for two or three years, touring as their sort of stage manager, production manager, everything, really. And then, but still, I was always like, mm, I want to be a production manager. I don't want to be a stage manager. It wasn't really my bag. I don't, I'm not a huge fan of propping things or shopping or any of that. So that wasn't my bag. Um, and then I met... What was that? Sorry, it wasn't my shopping bag. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and then I met um, the wonderful Jude Doherty um, at a party. As she always is. <laughs> and she said to me, oh, could you know, I think you said, you know, we, I think we should work together. She just, in, so that was 2001, maybe. She said, I think we should work together. And they were on the lookout to start having a production manager for their work. And I was on the lookout to be a production manager. So we kind of were like, oh, let's see how this works and we kind of found our footing that way and I kind of between us we sort of created the role of production manager for Gridiron and I basically have done 25 site pieces with Gridiron I think it is now um and then, yeah, kind of the rest is history. And, and I started working. And so then I worked for Gridiron. And then but I was still not getting a huge amount of production management roles because I was, I was, you know, kind of mid-20s, probably. And um, so I kept doing a bit of stage management, doing a bit of DSMing, but always kind of going, oh, I really want to production manage. Um, and then kind of... I don't know, from that, I, I just was offered different work and more work with other people. And then I met Matt Lenton from Vanishing Point in 2009. Um, no, sorry, 2008, I met Matt. Um, I was venue managing a, a tent for the Traverse for the festival and Vanishing Point brought Subway there. And Matt and I uh, got on very well to begin with and had a little bit of a uh, an obvious kind of meeting of minds and then they asked me to do interiors and that was my first vanishing point show and from then I've done every show for them so kind of yeah it's just kind of gone from you know sort of strength to strength really um but at, at the same sort of time I was kind of like oh you know the body clock is ticking and I got married and I was a bit like mm, maybe how am I going to do this how am I going to to continue this career that I've taken a long time and a lot of hard work um how am I going to continue this career and have a child um and that was quite tricky and for years I kept saying to Martin no 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 not not just now not just now you know I need to I need to continue I need to continue building my career um, and then I was like, oh, I'm, you know, kind of mid-30s. Oh, I'm getting neither late 30s. Oh, dear. And then at 38, I thought, right, well, I'm going to have to make a decision, either do it now or, like, not. And I was lucky enough that the companies that I had worked with up until then had trusted me that I could take a break and, you know, have a baby and sort of come back. Um, and so I had Martha five years ago, and it's been very different working. Your little girl's called Martha. Yeah, yeah. Love it. That's my grand's name. Oh, lovely. You, yeah. you don't meet many Marthas these days. No. Um, an unusual name. We, we, um, I really like alliteration. So Fee Fraser and my husband's Martin Murray. So I was like, oh. So it needed to be a name that began with an M. <laughs> and... <laughs> Like so many of them, you're like, oh, I don't like that, I don't like this. And we were watching during my pregnancy because I was obsessed. Um, although I'm not normally obsessed with cakes, I'm very much a savoury person. But I was obsessed with cakes during my pregnancy. And so we watched British Bake Off. And there was a girl who won it, or she, I don't think she won it, actually. She was in it called Martha. 
And I was like to Martin, that's it. That's the name. And so, yeah, she was named after some girl who was on Great British Bake Off. And um, so that would have been 2014. Um, yeah. yeah. So so that's sort of, sorry, um, that's, that's sort of a potted history of, of like up till now, basically. I saw interiors, actually. It was, I thought it was one of the best things that um, Vanishing Point have done. I loved it. Yeah, it was a oh, good. Yeah, it's definitely up there with the the sort of top five favorite shows that I've worked on. Certainly, um, I don't know what the other four would be, so don't ask me that just now and put me on the spot. Will <laughs> give me some time to think about that. <laughs> and it's quite nice that you've had that experience of doing a lot of site specific with Gridiron and then doing really big scale exciting um, theatre because that was international festival, wasn't it? Interiors. Yeah, originally it wasn't. Originally it was a co-production with an Italian, um, with a festival in Naples, the Napoli International Festival. And so it was half an Italian cast and half a UK cast. So that in, in 2009, that was what we did. And we took it out, we did a UK tour and then we took it out to Italy. But yeah, when it was remounted in, when was that, 2016, I think it was, for EIF, it was a double bill with another show with um, The Destroyed Room. So that was a classic uh, phone call from Seve, the executive producer, to say, we've we've had this thought of doing interiors and another show at the same time, what do you think? And as always, um, I go, oh, well, that sounds exciting. And then, you know, sort of two months later, regret saying yes to it because it, those arms and legs but as always delighted to be doing it and delighted to have the challenges basically um yeah yeah I saw the original um Myra was in the original Myra McFadden she was yeah 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 yeah. she was um, yeah yeah, because I uh, Myra's my friend so I came to see it oh lovely yes she was in the original um it, yeah, it was. It's a great show. It's a great show, mm-hmm. and hopefully one day. I, it was funny because I I did um, I worked on Ragnarok, the Tortoise in a Nutshell show that ended up sadly being cancelled uh, at the beginning of this year. Um, but we were out in Norway in a place called um, Oh Fotten, which is on the Arctic Circle, which is right. incredible. Which is actually the home of interiors. So when I was there, Matt kept phoning, well, he phoned me once and said, take some measurements for you, take some measurements, see if we can take the show there. <laughs> so yes, I mean, it will fit. I've told him so many times it will fit. We'll make it fit to take it back to its natural spiritual. Yeah, home. we will take yes. it back. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> I love um, that you um, felt really supported by the companies that you'd worked for to make that decision to have yeah. your to have your little girl, because it's such a huge thing, I think, for... Um, well certainly for the women in our industry probably in all industries to be fair that decision Mm -hmm. of something you've worked so hard for and there's something else that you want it's a really it's a balancing act isn't it I think it's also I mean I I think it's also quite tricky because there's not a huge amount of women who production manage certainly in Scotland there's I, I I don't know off the top of my head but I think there's probably five or six of us um which of course isn't loads in the grand scheme of things. Uh, historically, it, it was a post held by men because historically it was people who were maybe carpenters or electricians, sort of sideways into production management. But now people are, you know, are, are training to to be a production manager and to production manage. Um, I came through because I came through the carousel system at Queen Margaret. I worked in all the departments and then. I realised that that's, you know, how I wanted to be a production manager. Um, but yeah, because I think it's, it's really tricky. I'm very, I'm very lucky because I'm supported by my mum still lives in Dunfermline and my husband Martin's folks live over in um, uh, West Lothian. So they, since Martha was like six months old, I went back to work and they looked after her, you know, a couple of days a week and we, we put her into nursery quite early on. Um, so she's this really kind of sociable well-rounded you know she's she's not coped very well with lockdown at all because she's not seen her grandparents she's not seen her pals at school she's not been able to go to the park all of that kind of stuff and and I, I know that it can be tricky for people who don't have that external support because childcare isn't cheap it's really expensive mm-hmm. and the point was coming that I 
I was earning enough to, I, I was earning enough to pay for the childcare because that was the deal. Martin would continue paying for everything else and I would sort out the childcare. And I was earning enough to pay for it, but not full time. Like we did three days a week at nursery and two days a week with grandparents, which if we had to do five days, there was no way we could have afforded to do that. Um, and I think that's something that I'm always feel very grateful for. Um, because otherwise I don't know how I could do it. And and now in lockdown, Martin's still working from, you know, from the, the kitchen table effectively. And I'm juggling, you know, this sort of time or desk time with looking after Martha and childcare and all that stuff. So, so yeah, it's, it's not easy, but also I'm very lucky. Um, and I know I'm very lucky, uh, you know, to sort of have that. It, international work is a thing that I really miss. I, I don't, necessarily I won't apply for so for so much international work anymore because it's too hard like I think probably being away the the longest I have been away and I think the longest I could be away is two weeks um there's this really weird feeling that um the first time I went away halfway through I started to think why am I really grumpy like and I was just in a really bad mood and I was really tearful and I couldn't work out why. And I just realised it was because I was missing Martha. And it's not until you, until you kind of experience that, it's really difficult to kind of understand it. Um, and, and of course, for her, when she was wee, like really little, it wasn't so bad because she was so little and she didn't really understand. But the older she's got, the easier it's got because she understands. And we can FaceTime and we can be in touch with her. But she's also now caught on to, mommy will bring me back presents. So the presents get bigger and bigger and more elaborate. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'll bring you back something if I'm away somewhere exciting. But if I'm in, you know, Greenick at the Beacon for a week, there's no chance of bringing you anything back. <laughs> so, you know, and I've gotten to a habit of kind of gauging the level of things I can bring back from various places for yeah. her. Um, and I kind of what I really like though is the fact that she she gets that that I work and she understands that I work and she understands how important that is to me and to us as a family the three of us and certainly during this lockdown time she's been very much like when are you going back to work mommy like Mm -hmm. what is going on and so that and or she'll say to me you know half through the week are you going are you working this week at all as if to say you know get away get away like, I'm being judged by my five-year-old <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> exactly so yeah it's 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 differently hard and certainly I was very much uh, you know I would work until the work was finished and then sometimes I'd come home and open my computer again and continue but certainly having Martha forced me to have more of a work-life balance I guess and and forced me a bit more to kind of go nope I need to go home now I need to finish at four because I need to get back from Glasgow back to Edinburgh or I need to do a school pickup or you know there's nothing worse than the feeling in the pit of your stomach that you're going to be late to pick up your child from the you know from nursery or from school frankly terrifying um and kind of that sort of feeling of um nope I can't I, I can't work late I you know I can't have a meeting that starts at six or you know whatever um I'm not saying I don't open my computer once she goes to bed but there has to be the home dinner stories bath whatever bed time and that's quite sacred those two hours or two and a half hours or whatever they are is quite a sacred time um and I think that I know that we are, that all three of us kind of suffer from that if that's not there in a really strange sort of way. Um, yeah. And she loves going to the theatre, so that's really nice. That's great. I wanted to ask, do you think the fact that, you know, you've had Martha and that you have to take that time now, do you think it changed your work? Do you think it made you, you know, like have much more... I'm just maybe not, maybe you've always been really laser vision and absolutely this needs to get done. You've been mm. always great. Um, like that because I know I can be a bit of a faff and I've always been quite organized I have to say I've always been quite well, like this production this, designer this. So yeah. <laughs> um and I've always been quite sort of schedule 
that's one part of reduction management that I really like is the kind of scheduling organization. I remember my dad um, saying to me once, well, I don't know what you're going to do, but it's going to be, he said, I don't know what you're going to do for a living, but you're going to be in charge and you're going to be bossing people about. And, you know, I was like, well, yeah, that's pretty, pretty right, to be honest. Um, Yeah, I've always been quite kind of strict with that kind of thing. Um, And I think I think also my priority because my priorities have changed because of Martha. Things I used to get really, really upset about or really anxious about or really, you know, I don't know, concerned about to an extent. I'm not saying they aren't as important, but they're differently important. And I would say I still give 100% to my work when I'm at work. But when I'm not at work, I am much better now at sort of closing that notebook or closing that, you know, not checking emails over the weekend. Or or if I do check my emails over the weekend, it's at my, you know, because Martha's watching a movie that I've probably seen four times. Um, so yeah, definitely the kind of the way that I work has changed a bit, definitely. Um, and I started working with a lot more assistants, which was brilliant. So when I first had Martha, I was kind of realising that I didn't have time to spend, or I didn't have as much time to spend looking for the cheapest dance floor or the cheapest black carpet or getting, you know, doing that thing of when you find loads and loads of samples. I, my time for that wasn't so great. Um, Oh, sorry, my phone is ringing. Um, and so what I thought was the way to do that was, was, you know, to work with assistants who could then do all that work. And that was brilliant. And I worked with a couple of really great people. Um, and I'm always kind of on the lookout to maybe work with people who are either new to production management or are currently in a different role and want to get into production management and I'd, I'd quite like to kind of work with those people to try and because there's not that many of us and there's not that many of us that are freelance and as we've said it's tricky for people to stay in the industry if they want to have a family or you know or, or any of that so so that changed and that was brilliant to kind of feel that you could sort of I don't know, give off some of your work a bit to people. Uh, yeah. I love that. It makes me, um, I, it kind of makes me think back to what you were saying about when you, when you came out of Queen Margaret and then you got your job at Perth. And I kind of, I wonder about, um, and now you're, you're doing this, bringing assistance in and helping to retrain and, and work with new people. Do you think that the opportunities for people coming out of like Queen Margaret and other colleges in, in Scotland, do you think the opportunities are still there or do you think that it's harder than it was when you came out? I think the opportunities probably are still there. Um, they are, I think that they are harder to find because there's there's maybe not as many opportunities as when I was coming out of college. Um, and. I think a lot of people, because there's not a huge amount of training in Scotland as well, a lot of people that do train in Scotland kind of leave quite quickly um, and go and work, you know, down in London or go and work internationally or go into, you know, sidestep into film and TV and sort of leave theatre. But also I think because the work-life balance can be so hard, um, I wonder if sometimes people can't see a way through. They can't see a way to to kind of you know to make it work and and yeah it's the the hours are long and the yeah you know the hours are long and the time the the money's not brilliant it's not terrible but it's not amazing and I think that like certainly I have you know so this is like 20 what four years 23 24 years now I've been working and and I really still have that passion and I know a lot of people don't because actually you know as I said the work-life balance thing is is tricky it grinds you down Mm, yeah I think it really can and and I think that a lot of people there's there's a lot of because you're it's very exposing um and that that thing of you're only as good as your last job it's it's absolutely true and I think a lot of people think that's just for performers but it's not at all it's across the sector we're all we're all 
I don't like to use the word paranoid, but, but there's always a bit of, ah, what do people think of me? You know, and no matter what anybody says, I think that's, that's across the sector. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's across the sector that people, that, that people, there, there is problems. There's problems in the industry. And, and I don't know, maybe this whole COVID-19 thing will really help with that because maybe now is the time to make changes. Maybe now is the time to, to regest the balance um, and to sort of say, well, let's have m- more people so that everyone can do less hours. Let's, let's, let's not try and shoehorn a show in in two days. Let's take the time, you know. Um, but again, it's always money, isn't it? It's always, it's sched- always money, isn't it? Always scheduling money. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, there's money there, there's work being made. So it's just, I guess, maybe about looking at how that money is distributed more sensibly. I, I, we've been having a lot of conversations about this. We have, yeah. And, I mean, I feel like I'm constantly talking about how we can create a, an industry that is more sustainable, that doesn't encourage, not encourage, well, encourage burnout. Mm. We are constantly striving to be doing more and saying yes and and working. It does. It doesn't do. It doesn't encourage it on the surface, but it absolutely is encouraging it in everything that is done. Because mm. you know, as you see, the like just even that thought of you're only as good as your last job, and if you've you know just had a kid and your last job was like a year ago, and it's like oh my god, it's the it's the what happens yeah. now maybe trying to introduce a bit more job share in Scotland so it's been you know other places have been doing job shares for a lot longer when you know maybe the stage manager does you know there's a bit of job share there or there's job share with with a DSM or or even lighting and sound and technicians um I think in this day and age when everything can be saved remotely and I think when you know I mean zoom the the amount of people that are doing everything on zoom now is incredible and I'm not saying that that's the way forward to continue doing things on zoom but I think that we can work I think that people can work from home a lot more than maybe was ever allowed before and sort of saying no the entire team have to be there well but but do they really do they really do I really 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 need to drive or for an hour to get to Glasgow to sit in a rehearsal room or or up on a zoom (laughs) Yeah, or can someone pop me in the corner with my cat with with a camera on, and I can have a listen? You know, do we really need to call all the creative teams from all over the country to come to a production meeting for an hour? No, I think I think that it is. I think there's no there. It's not instead of, but I think as well as mm. you know, and and I do often wonder sometimes the amount of times I spend driving to Glasgow or on the train to Glasgow when actually I think well mm, I've had sat at my desk in Edinburgh because I have a I have my own office and out of the blue and I'm like if I had sat at my own desk I would have got double the amount of work done yeah and certainly the companies I work with are very good at saying we don't need to see you like we know what you're doing it's fine yeah but I'm a bit like but I don't want to be working on my own all the time I I you know I want to work with a team so I want to come over and I think as long as there's a bit of flexibility in that then I think that this this situation has proven that everyone can work from home yeah. I mean some people find it harder than others fair enough and it's not practical for some people but I don't I don't see why why it can't become a thing mm-hmm. well at least even as you say like that flexibility of it and also I think um if we think about uh you know just environmentally as well like asking people to travel all over the country for a one-hour production meeting that could easily be held online, which is, you know, nobody's driving, nobody's getting a plane, nobody's getting a bus for cutting down in emissions. So just that in itself is something that needs to get thought yeah, out a bit more. I guess the way that a production meeting uh, is is um, is chaired is that you go around every department. So you can easily do that on Zoom. You can go, okay, you know, Elaine, you're next. What do you have to say? And then people can wait and ask their questions. So I think the conversationally, Zoom is very difficult, I think. But if you're presenting or if you are kind of, you know, you've got a topic to actually have a conversation about, it's, it's slightly easier. Um, 
Yeah, I think you're right, actually. I mean, I am... So I teach drama workshops to kids online. And I mean, we're getting through it. We're doing it. But it's not ideal. It's not the ideal scenario because, especially for the younger ones, they're really missing being in a room with each other. Mm. And actually what they build in that space is more important sometimes than anything else. Like, it doesn't matter if they can come out giving it a Shakespeare soliloquy it's what they build in that room with each other Um, and that's the things that you know those kind of things are really hard and really tricky yeah it's difficult it's like Martha she does a little um she's been going to a dance class the same dance class since she was about three but now they've gone online and she's just like I don't want to do it I don't want to do it because it's just like it's no fun without seeing Miss Beverly and everyone in the class and she doesn't want to be in the living room in her dance shoes. She's like, no, yeah. thanks anyway, I'll wait. And so she's basically said, I don't want to do it again until I can go to the studio. And I'm like, fine. Yeah. yeah. Like, if that's your decision, then that's absolutely fine. And she's, you know, I've given her the option. And, you know, she said, I don't want to. Yeah, we had a wee kid as well that was just, like, got so upset because they were like, my whole life's on your computer. Mm, yeah. Yeah, these babies I mean we're all struggling I don't know how they're they're doing it um it's such a sorry Elaine it's just when it's such a big part of children's development being with other children and learning through their independence as well it's really it is it's going to be an interesting anthropological study coming out Mm, it is somebody was saying recently to me that um this generation are going to be known as the rainbow children supposedly in history books oh just quite nice but you kind of think yeah there's a whole generation of people that didn't get to do their hires didn't get to do their finals didn't get to do yeah. you know all of their grad shows all of that stuff and you go oh, all the stuff that we that we take for in this country is for granted mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to jump back as well just because we're talking about kids you said something about Martha seeing you at your work or like you know knowing how important that is and that really um, I thought that was really uh, important to bring back up again because you know I I think absolutely like I'm I'm from as I said I'm from Dunfermline I'm very much from a you know two mum dad two kids family my dad worked my mum didn't my mum brought me and my sister up which was lovely. My mum then worked later, you know, when my my sister Sharon and I were kind of, you know, old enough, my mum then went to work. Um, but I think, it, yeah, I think it's important that that children see that, that both parents, either can both parents can work or both parents can do childcare. Um, and certainly, I'm as, as I said earlier, I'm very lucky that, that, um, you know, between parents and, and nursery, that's how we dealt with Martha's childcare. And I know some people um, have to take their children, certainly people that work in theatre have to take their children to work occasionally. I'm rubbish at that. I can't do that. Um, either I'm at work and I'm working or I'm at home and I'm with Martha. Um, and, but what I do, what I do try and do is if it's a Saturday afternoon, there's a matinee on for or whatever, I'll take her along with me as the stage management team are setting up and, you know, she'll get to have a wander around the stage and she'll have a look at bits and pieces and she'll chat with the team and, you know, she'll have a little bit of a nice time. Um, and then maybe it's just, I think it probably is just me, but I can kind of then go, well, okay, now Martha can visualise where I'm going when I'm going to work. And... I, I find that important because then I can say to her, well, remember, you came with me to such and such. Like you came with me to the Traverse, for instance, and remember Mickey was there doing this and that and the next thing. And she, and there's a moment I can see her go, oh, yeah, no, I remember that. And I just think it's important because I want her to be able to, I, I want her to not, uh, I guess, be annoyed. I worked through yeah. her childhood. Yeah. Again, that's purely, you know, purely what I'd like. But I think that that it's quite nice to give her the context of where I'm going or what I'm doing. Um, and she really remembers. And But also what it means is that I, um, I've production managed the last uh, two children's festivals for, for Imaginate. This would have been my third one. And um, she goes and sees shows, but she goes and sees them with her dad or with one of her grandparents because I'm working. 
but it's funny because she's 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 very much like yeah I know you couldn't come because you were working on the show it's like well I wasn't working on that show but yeah it, you know it's fine I, I was working <laughs> and that, that's cool but she really remembers the work and she really remembers like it it, it never fails to kind of surprise me how little sort of how, how little um sponges little people's brains are and yeah yeah as I said it's it's important that she sees that she sort of sees that um the similar the same yeah. thing is it's important that she sees that her dad can you know do the housework or exactly shopping or or you know cook or whatever it's um, breaking down those typical stereotypes of roles isn't it and that's it yeah and absolutely. that's the most important thing whether it is the fact that you know your husband's at home mm. doing the ironing and you're at work yeah yeah like in that, and for Martha she's going to grow up and be like well that's normal mm. and isn't, yeah, that, well, isn't that wonderful yeah yeah well that's the hope isn't it and you know she um she plays with dolls a lot she is a proper like she loves her dolls um and she but it's funny though because she's got boy dolls as well and the boy dolls and the girl dolls are all very friendly and pans but she does ask she says can boys marry boys and can girls marry and I'm like yeah absolutely so she's like okay cool like that's just it that's just that's cool that's great let's just bash on with that then so although she's not into playing with car well she's got lego and she's got things that would have been classically when i was growing up maybe more of a boy's toy which is a terrible phrase um but she's definitely she definitely is into playing with her dolls uh but then when her her friends that come around that are like her you know little little male friends or boyfriends come around then they just all play with everything you know what i mean and so it's actually very it's very refreshing um, yeah, but it's not. You haven't forced her into that, though. That's oh, clearly no, her choice. Is that, that it's clearly her choice. My friend's got the same with her wee girl. She loves her dolls, and she's absolutely not like you know. There's been cars, there's been trucks, there's been everything, mm-hmm. but she is all about her babies, as she calls them. Yeah. yeah. Um, right now, it's all about the dolls. Right now, um, and it's yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting because that's not something. That I kind of, that either me or my husband Martin had to kind of sort of push. It's just that's what she wants to do just now. Um, yeah, and she's decided already at the age of five she wants to be a vet. So you know, I'm like, great, you know, bash on, but don't work in the arts. Be you a vet, do not work great, in the arts. <laughs> but make some money. <laughs> I had unfortunately decided apparently when I was four that I was going to be an actor. My friend from when I was that age is like, oh, yeah, Elaine, you used to say that all the time. I'm like, did I? Mm, why did somebody <laughs> not talk me out of it? <laughs> I was wondering about that, if because she saw you working in the arts, that would make her more um, more likely to think, oh, that maybe would be a really fun job. Mm. Like, That's my mum's job. That's boring. Yeah, I mean, she she she'll do something like she'll set a little something up, and she'll go, "Look, mommy, I've done a set," and she has. She's set a little bedroom up, or she's set a little table for her dolls, or so she kind of she does all of that, but she never puts shows on. She never, she never wants to. I mean, she performs as much as every five year old does, but she never wants to kind of have an audience or any of that, um, which I'm quite glad of, uh, only because it would be good for her to make some money and you know yeah not sure sure when she's working how much money there'll be left in the arts so do you find um, MFE that being a female um, production manager that you have had more opportunities do you think or has that do you think at some points been maybe held you back I mean you never want to think that do you that's no I know you never want to think you've even been given a job because of your sex or you've not been given a job because of your, your or your gender. Um, I'd like to think not. Uh, I'm sure that's maybe not the case, but I'd like to think not. Okay. I think it's funny. Production management is funny because we're all very, very different, yet very similar in that way that because production managers tend to, certainly in Scotland, maybe not down um, 
done in England, but certainly in Scotland, production managers tend to come from something else. So I came from the kind of stage management background and, or they'll come from more technical or they'll come from more design or, or whatever. So there's the way that you think is always is quite different. So I'm the sort of production manager that like I'll run a fit up and I'll, you know, but I won't, I won't put the set up. Whereas other production managers will will put the setup as part of what they do as a production manager. So I always like to think that every job you've got it because of the skills that you have and that the producer or the director, whoever whoever's employing you, has gone, yeah, those are the skills I want for that show. Um rather than, you know, I want that person because they're male or I want that person because they're female or they're, you know, what whatever um gender uh rather than rather yeah. That's what I hope, but who knows? <laughs> I know, and, and it is a tricky question, and I think I was just kind of, maybe that wasn't even how I should have phrased it. Maybe it was like, maybe have you thought about, has there ever been any challenges you've felt being a female? I mean, there's that, yeah, I mean, that's that's definite. There has been challenges. There's there's There has been the, the kind of daft wee lassie sort of, you know, comments made to me in the past. Um, thankfully, I've risen above them and kind of put them to bed, so to speak. Um, but there has been that. And that wasn't that long ago, to be perfectly honest, in the grand scheme of things. Um, there is still, there is definitely still in the back of my mind that proving myself, even though I've been doing it for 25 years or 20 odd years. Um, and there's definitely still the circle of people or the part of an industry part of of the industry that um I get more nervous at talking to because of who I am and because of my gender and that that's that's not a lie it's it's a really hard thing to admit um but it is still there um maybe not the same as it was 15 years ago but it is definitely still there um and yeah, it's it. You just kind of hope with every shift in a generation, maybe things mm-hmm. change, and that that is true. With every shift in a generation, things do change, um, and you'd like to think that with every sort of shift in the professionalism of the arts and and how theatre is, and uh, that those things change. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is it is hard to say, isn't it? It's important that it gets said because otherwise we can almost um, fool ourselves into thinking that we're we're all on an equal playing field when actually we know that, well, it doesn't necessarily even mean about your gender, it's what your background is sometimes as well within the arts, like where where you're at. Um, So, yeah, I think it's really important to say it and it's really, it is one of those ones, it's not great to say out loud, but it's important (laughs) to say it out loud. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It is that thing that you kind of like, I don't want to admit that I know it's there, but it is mm-hmm. there. And, yeah. Um, luckily enough, I haven't faced it a huge amount, but I know it's there. Yeah. And and there's times I've done, I, I've done quite a lot of international work and there's times that, you know, I'll be standing there as the production manager with a team, probably mostly male behind me, and whoever's talking to them or whoever comes, like, so say it's a venue technician or a venue member of staff, whoever comes up and they won't directly speak to me. They'll speak to any of the men standing behind me. And it, it is a thing. And thankfully, the people I work with will always go, no, 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 you need to speak to me. You need to, no, speak to me. That doesn't, that's not just international. That does happen sometimes still. But yeah, I remember doing work with Gridown in the Middle East and that was that was hard that yeah. was really hard yeah. um lots of people would just not even bother looking at me or they would talk and they would like they would they wouldn't make eye contact with me and then their head would be turned away it's like oh <laughs> you know I'm just here standing here <laughs> so that was all that was quite a culture shock mm. I would say um because it was so far removed from anything that I was used to yeah that is I mean that is a whole other experience isn't it really from anything that we experience I mean our you know the person that drove us to work every day wouldn't speak to Jude or I like just because not because he was being rude just because his he he just because you were female 
Yeah, yeah. And we every morning we'd be like, good morning. And every morning we'd be like, hmm. and he'd acknowledge us, but he'd never speak directly to us, which was always a bit odd. <laughs> It's, yeah it's, it yeah. just blows your mind the cultural differences doesn't it Mad. yeah absolutely absolutely and just also you know I've done quite a bit more recently in China with with Vanishing Point and the cultural differences there as well it's still a, it's still quite big that that you don't see a huge amount of women working in theatre, certainly not backstage. You know, there there's a lot of the women that work in the theatre are front of house or they're the cleaners or um, but they don't work on stage. Um and it's it's when you do see somebody, they're probably in, in charge and they're probably not getting the respect that they should be getting. And that's quite difficult because you're standing there going, Oh, wait a minute, what's going on here? You know. It is a, yeah, it's definitely a cultural thing as well. Do you have a production that you would like to work on or have an idea or something? Or is there like a play that you love that you would love to do at some point? See, I, this is this is slightly, well, I don't know if it's embarrassing. I kind of, new work is the thing that, that I like the, the most. I'm not a huge fan of, of the classics. Terrible. That's okay. <laughs> um, I really like, and and the kind of more ridiculous big and exciting the better for me um do you think I, that's because you grew up with pantomime and that was what you yeah maybe was? maybe yeah maybe that was all I knew was actually um I remember at school coming over to Edinburgh to see um Les Mis and all those sort of musicals and it was a lovely spectacle but didn't you know I wasn't I was more looking at the lights and looking at what was happening rather than listening um so yeah, I would say that I'm, I guess, the thing that makes me most excited, not that I've got any one thing in particular, but the thing that makes me most excited is, is anything that seems slightly ridiculous or anything that seems like there's no way it could be done. <laughs> I, years ago, I worked on Further Than the Furthest Thing for Dundee Rep and Neil Warmington designed it. And I can't remember the exact amount, but there was something like 360,000 li- 360, litres of water on the stage. Water on stage is one of my absolute favourite things on and, the planet. And I remember when Neil first, Neil Warmington first sort of told me what his concept was, I was like, okay, great, I'm in. I'm in. Like, I don't know when it is or how much money they're going to pay me. <laughs> I am <But> I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. I'll see you. And I think, and that's the thing, you know, whenever... Whenever Jude or, or, or Matt or Sevy from Vanishing Point or anyone come to me and say, I've got this idea. And I go, mm-hmm. And then if the words are, now, it might be crazy. That's normally when I'm like, right, I'm here, I'm in. Fill up a chair. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah. So, so anything that sounds sort of, from a production point of view, like it might be bonkers, is what I strive for anything that you think probably couldn't be done you know I quite like to do um I have a favorite story of, of when we were doing Rome at the airport with Brazilian and uh, I used to get front of house clearance from air traffic control every day and that is like one of the highlights of my career <laughs> was every day phoning a man or woman depending on who answered at air traffic control and asking them if I could have clearance to start the show like I mean you know that's yeah. mental. Um, that was always that was always great fun. Um, so things like that that are and anything that's big logistically. So anything with, you know, I don't know, with with lots of audiences doing different things, mm-hmm. or with lots of scenes starting at different times, or or anything that's you know maybe a big cast of people that need to be moved around. Um, tricky logistics are things that really kind of float my boat. I think. They float your boat. Um, I love how, what I think I really love about the way you talk about um, all of that is just, it's the things that theatre does the best. And it's the stuff that really, like it makes you, it's what you really love about theatre, just that total, like if it's a totally bonkers idea, but let's just give it a, a go. And it's the joy of finding a team and working with that. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Great. <laughs> Misha, I feel like I've done all the talking. 
I'm just like, do you know, I can just feel that sizzle. Do you know that feeling when you're working on something really exciting? I feel like you've passed me and now I'm just itching to do some like amazing theatre. Like it just gives you such a buzz. I just, yeah, I've got that kind of like mixed feeling really excited about theatre and also feeling really sad. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Let's go with the excitement of yeah, it. Yeah, let's stick with the excitement. <laughs> let's stick with the excitement, definitely. Um, so, Fee, before we go, we do usually ask people, and we started it during our um, festival podcast last year, um, mm-hmm. we ask people what persistent and nasty means to them. So Gosh. a little bit of background on why we picked um so when we started um, the project, because I'm never really sure what to call us, because we're not a company, we're not, we're ac- art as activism project. I'm just going to call us a project. Um, but when enough. we started it, uh, there had been the whole thing about um, Trump calling Hillary a nasty woman. Oh yeah. And then there had been a whole Twitter feed. Well, if she's a nasty woman, da 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 I am, I am, because, you know, I go to work every day or things like that. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, persistent is, nevertheless, she persisted. Um, the Elizabeth Warren quote. So it's just, like, anything that springs to mind. And it can be good or it can be positive or negative. No, I'm trying not to say good and bad. Positive <laughs> or negative. Oh, gosh. And if you don't have anything, that's equally okay. I'm not sure if I do. That's all right. I mean, it it feels like persistence. Um, it feels like persistence is um, it is a kind of relentlessness for something exciting, mm-hmm. um, or to get you know like um, so often you hear about people persisting just to get a job or or you know or or maybe it's the putting yourself out there. Maybe it's this sort of this this sort of um, yeah, just kind of making whatever you want, being persistent in whatever you want, I guess. Um, yeah, I don't, I'm afraid I don't know. Oh, uh, that's great. I think gosh. that's a lovely yeah. answer. I think yeah. that's a lovely answer. Yeah, yeah, maybe just being, I don't know, forthright and and, and go, going for what you want, I guess. Um, Fee, thank you so much for joining us today. It's welcome. a pleasure to have you. Hello, thank you. Lovely to speak to you both. Sorry, I was just going to say, is there anything that you're wanting to shout about? Anything that you're working on at the moment? I know that it's kind of not working in the same capacity as usual, but if there's anything that is in the pipeline that you're excited about or any links that people might want to find you on, just if you want to give them a shout out. Well, certainly if you if you um, want to find out other work that I've been doing, uh, you know, my website's just simple it's feefraser.com um, and if you're I guess if you're interested in assisting me on anything then you know do get in touch my email address is on my website I would say that's brilliant, brilliant. yeah so anybody out there that is thinking about production management get in touch with fee absolutely uh, left, a, left each other up that's the way forward <laughs> that's the way forward fee thank you so Ooh. much for your time no worries so lovely. It was lovely absolutely gorgeous nice to chat all right, we um, shall we do our little thing. Oh yeah, sorry, if you give us two seconds. This is really hard on Zoom. So hard on Zoom. So thank, thank you everyone for listening, and as always, stay, stay nasty. nasty.